Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks, Drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be, thirst, will be thirsty again, and those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will, will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty of having to keep or having to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are writing saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming. When you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming, and it is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For The Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he the one who is speaking to you. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything 
everything I have ever done. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Frida. And uh, as you see, watch Frida where she's going to sit down. Uh, she was in vacation Bible school this week, and she took to heart the classes, and she's filled out a whole pew. <laughs> Those are her, well, there are some. This is, you don't make a mistake. <laughs> so there are some grandchildren and grandnieces and nephews. Welcome all to Ladder Hope, and you have a, you really have a grandmother rocks. I can tell you that. She's cool. This morning, I want to begin a new series, a series that I like to call Encounters with Jesus. And I tell you that if you ever have an encounter with this person to walk the dusty roads of Jerusalem and the muddy roads of Nazareth when it rained and the rocky fields of Galilee and you heard his words and you saw his deeds, something was going to happen to you. Your life was not going to be the same either at that moment or later on. Because several of the characters that we are going to encounter in this series actually had more than one encounter with Jesus. But we are going to, in the following three weeks, going to talk about a, uh, today about a lady who went to the well. And she took a much simpler water jar than the one I have here. Um, and, and she went because she was thirsty. We're also going to hear about a man who was a Bible teacher. By the way, a very popular Bible teacher in his days. He had a following. He had probably a, 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 maybe a, a, a public relations manager because he was very busy. He was asked to go and teach in many synagogues throughout Judea. But we're also going to hear that the third week, the last week of this month, about a man who was a businessman, and his business was in the fishery, and he had several boats, not only in the Lake of Galilee, but he also had a branch of his business by the sea in Caesarea. But this fisherman had an encounter with his master that he became a water walker. The fisherman who became a water walker. And, and that's why we have here a fishing rod and, and a tackle box. And, and uh, you know that if I think of an idea of that nature, I now know that I can actually call and contact somebody within less than 12 hours and the items may appear. Because it is such the nature of Beverly Larson to have all these little things in her walls, in her basements, on the floors, throughout the house. So I just texted, just had this idea, Beth, do you have this? Yeah. So it came to fruition. But it was a wonderful uh, experience to put the things together. But those are the three that we are going to talk about this week. In each of them, you will see the sincere and honest encounter 
where they are not deflecting. Well, maybe they are deflecting a little bit, but Jesus is able to see through and is not bothered by the smoke bombs, by the deflection, by the destruction or the manipulations they may have because he actually has something greater for them. He's got restoration. He's got empowerment. And he's got great transformation for their lives because he is the living water. In each of the stories, we will see this happening. But today is the woman at the well, or as they call it in my tradition, the lady at the well. She was a woman of no distinction, perhaps of no reputation, except the one which was bad. People would whisper about her as she passed by in judgmental glances. She knew the faces. She knew the gestures. She did not need to hear them. But people really never took the time to know her, to speak to her. They didn't care. But perhaps deep in her heart, she knew that for to be known is to be loved. And to be loved is to be known. Don't we like that? As teenagers, oh, I got some here today. We have that struggle, and I remember it because that's when I began to question everything. And I was trying to figure out where do I fit in this world? Where do I fit in this family? It's all messed up. Why can't I have a better family? I questioned many things about my parents, and I found myself perhaps lonely, but I knew about a God who was a friend. So late at night, I would lay in my bunk bed, the top one always empty, because I was a, a lone boy. My two sisters had their bedroom. But under the mattress of the top bunk, that was my warehouse with Oreos and peanuts. But books were there. I remember at 11 years old, I was reading The Great Gatsby. And I would ask my mom, what does that word mean? She says, oh, you're too young for that. And she tried to take it away and gave me 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> but then I finished reading both of them. <laughs> I decided to go in the dictionary. But you see, in that loneliness, in that place of figuring out where do I fit, I wanted to be known and loved. You see, all we need and all we ask is for someone to look not only at our faces, at our, at our body types and at our noses and ears, that we have two, but also we need people to get to know our desires, our loves, our hopes, even our frustrations, even our pains and our fears. But perhaps that was too much to ask for the lady at the well. Perhaps it was too much for her to wish. Perhaps it was too much for her to pray about. So she had actually given up. She had accepted the stigma. She had accepted the reputation. She had accepted not only the abuse of society, but perhaps the abuse of the five men through her life. And you know what? Sometimes we get used to defeat. And life perhaps is so difficult at times that we just give up and think, this is it. But she remembered in her heart 
that she had decided not to pray for things to happen her way anymore. And she decided to just keep her pain alone, to keep it all inside her in a private jail. The shame, the guilt that brings her and you and I perhaps to that midnight well or that midday well where the sun is bright and shiny and hot and she knew nobody was going to show up in that place at that time. So she carried on her jars with her shame, with her guilt, with her own rudeness already to snap at anybody that would approach her. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. And to make things even worse as she is approaching that, well, she sees a man in the distance, and she is able to tell that he is a Jew because of the way he is dressed, because of the way he perhaps is even leaning on the well. And she's afraid because Jews and Samaritans don't get along after how they call them half-breeds. And the fight and the animosity was so great between the two groups that they had decided not even to try worship together. So one group decided to worship in Jerusalem while the other one decided to worship at another mount in Samaria. Irreconcilable differences. And she's afraid because this Jew is in the well. Who knows if this man is going to abuse me also like she had been. Who knows what he will do. So as she approaches the well, the man who she now recognizes as our Jewish rabbi, says, give me some water. But isn't that like Jesus? Isn't that like Jesus to see our need, to see our thirst, to see our dry heart already quart with dry mud and to tell us, give us some water? Because you see, what Jesus is doing is a technique that we now know is called reflection. It is my need that he is calling out. But I am not going to acknowledge it because he is a threat to me. So he initiates by reflecting her need in his need. You know, the, the woman was rough, seasoned, arguer. She was not going to put up with this man trying to humiliate her. No more. So she began the argument. Why you ask me? And if you follow the conversation, Jesus is trying to talk to her, talk, trying to talk to her heart, and she's just throwing smoke bombs, and she's throwing clothes, and she's throwing distractions about religion and theology. And Jesus addresses those questions of her and settles it. Salvation comes from the Jew. Yeah, yeah, we're divided. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. But that's not what I'm talking and that's not what I'm here about. It's about you. So go get your husband. But you know, she did not see or perceive the judgment. She did not see or perceive the, the, the accusation. She didn't see the rabbi condemning her. But she saw a rabbi. She saw a teacher who was willing to talk to her, accept her just as she was, and was not putting obstacles. And the obstacles that she was laying down to break the relationship, 
He was removing with love, grace, and faith. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. When Jesus opened his mouth and said, you say right. And basically he described her life. We only have a snippet of the conversation. Because if she says that he has told me everything I've done and everything I am. And her whole attitude changed from being shame and guilt to in spite of everything he knows about me, this man Loves me. This man has accepted me. This man has affirmed me. This man has empowered me. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. Oh, beloved, how many times do we seek excuses, excuse after excuse, to separate us from God? Excuse after excuse, reason after reason, the issue after issue to keep us away from the presence of God. On a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on an hourly basis. Maybe you are using your own quirkiness or your hidden sin on public one to keep you away from God. Maybe shame is the one that's keeping away, is keeping you away from God. It was for her. Shame was keeping her away from God until Jesus encountered her in the place that she least expected at the well, but in the place that she mostly expressed her need of thirst. You see, the psalmist also says in the Psalms that as the deer, as the deer runs after the thirst, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for you, O God, the living God. When can I come and stand before your presence? That's the deep void that you and I have. That's the deep void that religion cannot fulfill. So if you have been a long-time Presbyterian and your life is very dry and your life is not flowing with living water, we got to check ourselves because it's not the way it's supposed to be. We got to have that energy, that enthusiasm that moves us to be able to tackle life. And in the midst of tackling our worst and our bitter nightmare, we can find joy. We can find faith. We can find hope and share Jesus' love with others. See, the women at the world, it's basically you and I. It's you and I. Blocking God from our lives while God has removed every obstacle. Paul says, and now I am convinced that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our own fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. So God has removed every obstacle. What are you throwing in? How are you barricading 
and why. The women at the well is you and I. For to be known is to be loved, and to be loved is to be known. I am reminded of this old hymn that is not even in in any of our hymnals that we're using. But I, I was reminded because this is one that my mi abuelita, my grandma, used to sing quietly in her devotion early mornings during the summertime. And the words in English say, Come to the water, stand by my side. I know you are thirsty. You won't be denied. I felt every teardrop when in darkness you cried. And I strove to remind you, it's for these tears that I died. My sister and my brother, as we go and satisfy our thirst, not for more money, not for stuff, but for God, so that we can order our lives around God, and our lives will reflect the glory, the peace, the hope, the expectation of a well-lived life. Let us drink water from the fountain, the living water that Jesus offers you and I openly. No blockage. Take it out. Remove it. He calls you. He offers you freely. Come and receive the waters. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for your word. We thank you for even our thirst. We thank you that in our confusion and our thirst, as we go through this transition and mess in our church, oh God, you are with us and you help us and you build us and you still bring us together though we may want to split and go our way. We know you are bringing us together so that we can be that well of living water and living hope in this community that you have placed us. So that we can be that living water and living hope to the African neighbor, to the Asian neighbor, to the Hispanic neighbor, to the European neighbor that seeks you genuinely and with open heart. That we may be your vessels, that we may be your cups of water, your bottles of water for the thirsty that we may be able also to become road removers, stumbler removers, that we don't bar people from coming to God because of rules and regulations and stuff that we think is important. That we may open the way for everyone to come to Jesus. That we may share our stories with others as we discover our story in your story. For that we thank you, and we praise you, and we give you thanksgiving. Amen and amen.